without the invasion of the supernatural. What the cross promises of marriage is fresh starts and new beginnings. Men, when your favorite sports team is losing game after game after game after game, who do you hold responsible? Well, the coach or the general manager? Or when your corporation that you work for is not doing well, who do you hold responsible? Well, the CEO. And when your little league team that your son is on, seven-year-olds, when they're losing game after game after game, who do you hold responsible? Well, it's that seven-year-old shortstop who couldn't stop a slow-rolling beach ball. Oh, just kidding. You don't blame kids until they're eight. Friends, in every relationship, whenever you put people together, there's going to be a leader. And men, God has called you to be the leader of your wife. He's called you to be the leader of your home. That's what we're going to be talking about today as we talk about the role of men and women in marriage. As we continue in this Art of Marriage series, let's begin with prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, this is a very difficult subject to talk about. There are many different views. Uh, we have a lot invested here in relationship to how we interface with our spouse on a daily and weekly basis about decisions. And I know that uh, it's easy to misunderstand what your word has to say because of all the baggage we have. And I pray you just open up the hearts of everyone here, including myself, as we look at your word. And I pray your spirit but point us the truth and that we would obey. In Christ's name, amen. First thing I want to say up front is that marriage is a covenant. It is not a contract. You look at the Old Testament, how God had a covenant with the Israelites, how he promised them that he would be their God and that they would be their people, his people, that is, and that he would watch over them and care for them. And it was all dependent upon him in the sense of the fact that uh, he was never going to leave them, even though they might disobey. And that was foreshadowing the new covenant that was established under the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ that we enter into when we fully accept the free gift of salvation not by our works, but because of what Christ has done for us, we accept that gift and we cross that line of faith and become a Christ follower. That's the new covenant. Very important covenant with God. Well, marriage is a covenant. When you stand before a pastor, a priest, and you make that commitment, you're just not making a commitment to each other, you're making a commitment 
to God. You're joining together in a holy covenant. Marriage can be considered a sacrament. A sacrament is where God, who is invisible, becomes visible through something physical. Marriage is an important tool that God uses to teach people in this world about his love. Because the love that we have for each other in marriage is supposed to reflect God's love. So other people will look at our marriages and say, wow, there is something different there. And the difference, of course, is the power of God flowing through that marriage and supernatural love being expressed to one another. And that's why when we talk about marriages, it's so important that we do everything to cultivate our marriages, to save our marriages, to prepare for marriages, because it's not just about you and that other person. It's about your commitment to God and God's desire for marriage to reflect his love to other people. Unfortunately, in our society, marriage is seen as a contract. It's seen as a deal that two people come into. And so they kind of look at each other. And the thing with a contract, it's not about the other person, it's about me. You look at the person and say, hey, can this person meet my needs? Uh, are they the person that I've been looking for? And if they are, well, I'm going to put this contract together and see if they deliver. And what happens is, of course, is that a lot of contracts don't satisfy people. And so, therefore, they break that contract and they start another contract. Some people don't even set up a contract at all. They don't want to be bothered with that because it's all about me. I, I want this to be the, you know, the, the, they're, they're risk adverse. Right? They don't want any risk assigned uh, to this, which obviously making a marriage commitment is all about faith in God and uh, risk in a sense because you never know what's going to happen in a marriage. But God is going to care for you. Throughout that, the ultimate sign of the fact that we have moved to a contract orientation is what we call the prenup. The prenup. What does a prenup say to another person? The prenup says, you know, I think there's a pretty good chance that we can make it. I think that, you know, we both can benefit win-win situation. But if it doesn't, and let's look at the odds. Let's just be realistic, okay? I just want to protect some of my assets. Just want to be clear when the divorce goes down, because I've seen so many nasty divorces, right? Let's just get prepared for divorce before we get married. That's how screwed up we become in our thinking. Marriage is not a contract. It's a covenant. There's no promises that you're going to live happily ever after. The promises you're making to God to be committed to that person, no matter who they are, how they turn out, that you're going to continue to love them through the grace of Jesus Christ. Now, setting that platform, I want to talk about the role of men and women, as taught about in Scripture. And I want to look at Ephesians chapter 5, verses 23 through 24. I want to encourage you to bring your Bibles as we study them together. So you can turn there at this time. We're going to spend the majority of our time there. Uh, verse 22, Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. 
Now, as a church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. This particular passage uh, has been studied and debated uh, throughout the centuries, and even more so in this century. But the key word is head, for the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church. What does that word head mean? Well, I studied this particular area of theology, and uh, there's no doubt in my mind that that head, word head means authority. It means leader. The husband is the authority or leader of the wife. Now, there's always been a teaching that that word head does not mean authority. It means something like source. Uh, so the idea that the husband is the source of the wife, the encourager, partner, however you want to, might want to put it. So really there's two different ways of thinking about this in the evangelical world. Uh, we have a more traditional approach to this scripture, which we, of course, believe uh, is the uh, right approach. Uh, but when feminism uh, started to, again, become more and more, uh, became a movement in the uh, late 60s, 70s, 80s, what happened was there was a movement in evangelicalism uh, where certain churches said, well, no, you know, women need to be equal uh, with men in every way, and that applies to marriage. So uh, this movement started to say, okay, women need to be equal uh, in the marriage. And so what they've done is they've looked at that word head, and they say, well, that doesn't mean authority. That means like source or some other things, and you get into a long <laughs> debate in terms of have to look at the Greek language and things of that nature. But all that to say is that there are two uh, schools of thought about this. But there's no doubt in my mind, and I'm going to teach you what I believe about this passage. At the same time, you might disagree with me, and uh, I'm going to ask you to circle number eight under your name on your next steps, and I will send you uh, some websites that you can go to, because I want you to study this. I mean, if for whatever reason you think, nah, it doesn't sound right or that's confusing, I'm going to send you some articles that you can read where you can do your own study because that is your responsibility as a Christ follower. Not just, well, Harrison said it or, you know, uh, McDonald said it or uh, Swindoll said it, you know, whatever. You know, I don't put myself in those <laughs> area, but I'm just saying whatever teacher said it. You know, no, no, no. You have to, if you have doubts, you go to the Word and you study it. So, uh, for the husband is the head or the leader of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, same word, uh, his body of which he is a savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Now, uh, what we need to first understand is that we're not talking about who's better, who's more intelligent, who's more gifted, because women would obviously win that argument. <laughs> Hands down, okay? I've watched women operate, okay? They are really good, all right? So that, that, that's not a problem there. The point is, what God has said, who should be the leader of the home? Well, God says the man should be the leader of the home. In fact, if we look in 1 Corinthians 11, we read, Now I want you to realize that the head of every man is Christ, 
and the head of the woman is man, and the head of Christ is God. Now, we're familiar with the head of the woman is man. We just read that. And the head of Christ is God. That's interesting. You have God the Father, God the Son. They're equally God, but there's a hierarchy in the relationship. Someone has to lead, and God the Father leads. And as many times Jesus cried, he submitted himself to God the Father while he was here on earth, and also in the Trinitarian relationship. So what this is saying is that when we talk about hierarchical roles, that someone is a leader, it doesn't mean that person is better, smarter, uh, whatever. It means basically they've just been given a role to play by God. That's all it means. Now, just to quickly summarize, uh, this is the way it should work. The man is to be the leader of the family, the leader over the wife, and that means that he is to lead her and love her as Jesus Christ loved the church. He is to die to her on a daily basis. That's what he is to do for his wife. And, and he has the accountability. Leadership is a burden. For those of you who are leaders, you know how much of a burden it can be. It's not a thrill. Well, it is a thrill, right? But... <laughs> I mean, leadership is challenging, okay? And the type of leadership that, that God is asking us men to do, uh, it means that we're accountable and, and we need to step up and we need to do what we need to do in order to lead our family. And, and really, when a man is leading properly, he is constantly working with his wife, asking her questions, saying, what do you think we should do about this? What do we think? It's a team orientation. It doesn't take away from that. You know, I ask Lori about her opinion and what she wants and those type of things. And usually, you know, we're just kind of working in tandem because I'm not stupid. This is not even biblical truth. (laughs) Yeah, do what your wife says. Uh, But uh, the point being here is that we work together as a team. And she has so many strengths uh, that I, again, uh, am so uh, privileged to be able to uh, benefit uh, from. But, but on a rare occasion, there's a situation where, you know, we're just kind of at a logger jam and we disagree about something. And as a leader, I have to make a decision. That doesn't happen very often, but I have to make the decision. But that also means I'm accountable for the decision because, guys, you got to realize that someday you will stand before Jesus Christ, the judge, not in relationship to your salvation because you're not saved by your works, but Jesus Christ, the Bible tells us, will ask you about your life and what you did with this wonderful life he gave you and how you lived it out and how you led. How did you lead your wife? How did you lead your children. Now, he's all about grace and everything, and he'll forgive, but the point being is, I don't know about you, I'm really imperfect, but when I study this material, it just inspires me to want to do better because I want to honor my wife and my children, and I want to honor God in the way that I live. So that's the burden that I have as a leader. Now, at the same time, it says that the wife should submit. Now, again, it's a team effort and those type of things. And therefore, her desire is to lift up her husband as a leader and to encourage him 
as a leader. It doesn't mean she's a doormat. It doesn't mean, you know, he says everything should go this way or that way, and that's the way she has to do it. There's dialogue, those type of things. And, And, again, that's a healthy marriage. And marriage is very, very difficult, as we all know. And I'll tell you really where uh, we have so many problems with this. Why so many people look at this passage and say, oh, no, we don't want to do that. It's because of our sin. It's because of our sin. Remember the curse? Remember what uh, God said to Adam and Eve? Uh, he didn't say to Eve, your desi-, well, he did say to Eve, your desire will be for your husband. That's not talking about sexual desire, okay? That's talking about, like, I want to be in control. I want to usurp your authority kind of desire, right? I want to run the ship. Uh, then when he said to Adam, and your desire will be to rule over her, that's not the healthy type of ruling over. That's kind of like the club type of ruling over. Yeah, you're going to do what I say. So what most women have said, well, listen, if I give him the leadership, you know, he is going to be taking his big stick and he's going to be telling me what to do and life is going to be terrible. Now, obviously, we're all sinful. So there's been many situations where men have used this scripture to lord it over their wives, just like God said that would be a tendency for men to do. But we, we don't talk about as much is how women many times use all of their uh, intelligence in order to try to control their husbands. That's just as common as the man with the big stick. It doesn't matter what type of hierarchy you you set up, and God set it up, so we have to follow it, right? We're both going to sin. We're both going to break the rules. We're both going to do what we want when we're not walking in Jesus Christ. So, that helps us understand that. and, and, and I know that uh, some of you, uh, again, uh, are going to study this more. I think I said that. So, uh, again, we'll give you an opportunity to get some uh, information that you can look at. Now, let's start out with the husband's role. Okay? So, it says that we're supposed to, to, to give up our life. We're supposed to love our wives as Christ loved the church. And, and Christ gave up his life. So, men... If you were kidnapped, you and your wife were kidnapped, and the kidnapper said, hey, listen, one of you has to go, all right? Who is going to die? Well, of course you guys would say, me, no doubt about it. I I love my wife. Come on, take me out. I love her so much, right? You would be willing to give your life for your wife. The question, here's the question, though. Are you willing to give up the TV remote for your wife? Okay, to give her control over that wonderful box that makes you happy. Are you willing to do that? Are you willing when your wife at 9 o'clock asks you to go to the store to pick up a prescription, to do whatever, are you willing to give up your time in the perfect evening that you have planned after you have slaved all day, you've been dreaming of this time, are you willing to get your shoes on, get your coat on, go to the store? Are you willing when your wife says, you know, I really would like to do this, I know it's not part of the budget or anything like that, you know, could we spend this extra money? Are you willing to give her those resources? You've got other plans for those resources, right? And many times, guys, we say, no. No, I'm not willing to give you the remote. It's my turn. 
You watch your show, and now it's time to watch my show. No, I don't want to go to Walgreens to pick up that prescription. Why didn't you think about that beforehand? No, I will not give you that money. You know where we're at financially. See, it's a spirit that we have. It goes on in this passage, it says, In the same way husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated his own body, but he feeds and cares for it, just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. I just want to let you guys know I love my body. Um, Lori, I think, loves my body. Um, That's probably about it in the whole world. The only two people that are concerned about my body. Okay? Now, I feed and I care for my body. I've had issues about feeding my body. I really like to feed my body. And I'm working on that. And when you pray for me, please pray for me because it's, it's a battle. Okay? Uh, I like to care for my body. I'm, I'm always thinking about my body. Am I hot? too hot? Am I too cold? Am I hungry? You know, what do I want to eat? You know, how can I feel more comfortable? How can I bring more, you know, pleasure to my body? Those type of things. You know, it's always going through my head. That's just natural for everybody uh, to do. I, I go to great extents. You know, every dad has a chair, right? You guys have a chair, your favorite chair? And when you come into the room, you know, who's ever in that chair, just, oh, 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 that's chair, you know. Well, it should be that way if you don't have one. Um, so uh, I have my end of the sofa, and I've got it all set up. I've got all my, you know, things that I need, uh, ulti- ultimate convenience, all right? And, and, and when I am just tickled pink is when I'm sitting in my, my sofa, Nine o'clock at night, and I got my computer out, so I'm surfing the web or doing whatever, and, and I've got my remote, okay, and I've got my DVR, you know, and I'm trying to decide what do I want to watch, you know. I got to reward myself after a long day of work, and I've got my Diet Pepsi, all right, and then I've got my popcorn. Uh, so that's when it's good, okay, all right. That's how much I think about it. Uh, you know, I, we all have these things, right, you know, to make us happy. To, eh, I tell you, I've had a tough day. Life's going tough. This, I'm going to reward myself, those type of things. Okay, so that's how much I think about my body. Now, so I was studying this material this week, and I was thinking about my lovely wife. And yeah, I tell you, I was just convicted, and I think, oh, I've got to be more sensitive to Lori. I've got to listen to her. I've got to be slow to speak and those kind of things. So I'm working on this message yesterday morning. And uh, she comes out, and she was sleeping in. Boy, she needs to sleep in. Uh, work so hard. And, and she, she comes out, and uh, she realizes that she got up late, and she only has a half hour before she needs to be someplace. And so she's all upset. And, uh, and I, in my great wisdom and insight and sensitivity, said, well, you should have set your clock. She later shared this with me that it was insensitive for me to say that. She said she naturally wakes up. It was an unusual thing that she just got up. And I said something that was kind of insensitive after that. Um, nothing really mean or anything like that. But at the same time, she said, and, and you're going to preach on marriage? <laughs> oh! Oh! <laughs> I, I was down, you know. And I'm thinking... It's like Paul in Romans 7, like, Lord, 
You know, I want to do the right thing, but I keep doing the wrong thing. You know, what is the deal with me anyway? Well, the deal with me is I'm a sinner, and I've been married to my beautiful wife for 23 years, and I've got all kinds of patterns, and they're tough to break. It's the power of Jesus Christ is the only thing that's going to break these patterns, and it's going to take a while. I'm sorry, Lori, I'm working on it. It's going to take a while. And I'm going to continue to work on it. But it's tough, guys, and we need to commit ourselves to love our wives as Christ loved the church. And then that goes to our children, Ephesians 6, 4. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. So that's another one of your responsibilities. So here's, here's the point, guys. How are you doing? How are, your, how are you doing now? Like if you're coaching a little league team, and uh, let's say that... Uh, yeah, you're coaching a little league team, and things are just chaotic. I mean, everybody's upset, and, you know, it's just, it's not a, it's not, they could be losing, who cares? But it's just not a healthy environment uh, for kids uh, to learn baseball and have a good time and things like that in nature. Who, whose responsibility is that? Well, it's your responsibility as a coach, right, to have a healthy environment where kids can learn about teamwork and playing baseball and all that kind of stuff. Now, guys, you need to look at your home. And just take a moment to think about your home and how things are going and your relationship with your wife and relationship with your kids, the issues you're facing, your financial situation, whatever it might be. How is it going? And, friends, there's always a certain level of chaos in every home. But maybe your home is out of control. And who's responsible to fix that? You are. You are the leader. You're the one who's got to do something about it. It might not be a quick fix, but it usually isn't. Uh, but you've got to take the initiative. That's what a leader does. He looks at a situation and he says, okay, we got problems here. Let's put together a plan to try uh, to get this back on track. Now, why is it that men do not step into this leadership position? Well, there's a lot of reasons. Many times they feel inadequate, especially spiritually. Men, you've got to lead your... Your wife spiritually, and, you know, they're like 10 years ahead of you. And say, See, men like to feel competent. They like to feel like, well, if I'm going to lead something, I have to have a certain knowledge base, no more than other people. That's where we, we really need to humble ourselves, guys, and realize that our wife knows a lot about a lot of things that we can learn from her. And all we have to do is ask, right? And we can still lead, but we can get the information. Uh, from her, so we feel inadequate. Our culture makes us feel inadequate. I mean, really, I mean, think about it, how dads are characterized on TV. Homer Simpson, you don't have to say anything else, but Homer Simpson, they just celebrated what? Their uh, 500,000 episode, unbelievable. Uh, but again, I mean, dads are just doofuses, you know? They're just punchlines on TV. And so our culture doesn't encourage us in that way, in the way that we're uh, portrayed. So that's one reason dads abdicate the position of leadership. The second reason that they abdicate the position of leadership is because they have controlling wives. Again, that's sometimes where the wife goes. She wants to usurp the authority. So what she does is she says, oh, whatever. If he doesn't want to lead, I'll lead. And she takes over. And then he says, okay, fine, you take over. And things work, but it's not God's will. It's not God's best. You don't experience marriage and family as an experience. It's a bad pattern for your kids. Not healthy whatsoever. The third option is the best option. 
And that is that, uh, no, I'm sorry, excuse me. Let me give you some more reasons why Dad step out of uh, the uh, leadership role. Uh, another real key issue is uh, that we worship other things, like our work is a big one. And that's where we get our self-esteem from many times. Uh, that's where we get the kudos. That's where we're recognized. That's where we move up the ladder. That's where we get the money to spend on things and maybe... We want to impress other people with what kind of car we drive or whatever. You know how it is, guys. And, and we just get a lot of satisfaction from people saying, wow, you're a great whatever. And you do a great job at this and that type of thing. We get bonuses and those type of things. But if you hate your job, then you tend to gravitate toward a hobby. Some of you guys are sports Freaks, sports radio all the time. You've got all the baseball channels on TV and, you know, March Madness. You know, your wife says, well, I'll see you in April. Uh, you know, it's just like your life is dominated by sports. Well, friends, it's, that's wrong. That's wrong. You have a responsibility at home. And you might say, well, my wife doesn't want me involved. Uh, it doesn't matter. God has given you that responsibility. Now, I know it's tough because when is the last time you had someone come up to you and say, I respect you so much as a father. I, I really respect how you're raising your kids. You, know, you are such a good husband. I, I've watched you, and you really love your wife and care for her. I mean, that, that, that happens occasionally, no doubt, but not too often. Hey, when was the last time any of you guys, somebody came up to you and said, you know what? You are such a good husband. I'm giving you a thousand dollars. Raise your hand. Raise your hand out there. Okay, I'd love to use it as, as an illustration in the future. Okay, it doesn't happen, right? So, everything our sinful nature, the world tells us, you know, not much use in investing in family. But if you invest in this or that, you know, fun and all kinds of perks and things of that nature, that's what we have to work against. And a lot of guys abdicate that position. Well, men, it's time to man up and take the role that God has asked us to take. So a couple things here for an action plan. First of all, you need to seek spiritual agreement. This is so important. I tell you what, men, you teach your sons and your daughters uh, from a very early age that the only person you marry is another Christ follower. The only person you marry is another Christ follower. And you keep reminding them and reminding them. Now, ultimately, they'll make their own decision. But there's so much pain that comes from that. And some of you are in unequally yoked relationships. Now, God is going to continue to, obviously, he, he forgives you and gives you grace. But you know it's just much more difficult when you're not on the same, same page spiritually. In fact, uh, when two people marry from different religions, uh, the odds of divorce go up 120%. No, they go up by 120%. 120 times more likely to get divorced because that's such a critical area. And what happens is two kids get together who really just, you know, kind of are spiritually clueless. I mean, they have some type of background, but when the, when the kids are born, that's when the fireworks start because how are we going to raise uh, this child? Number two, seek engage in Springbrook. This is so important, or whatever local church you're a part of, your guest today. But, but we are here to help you. We are heart strong for families. That's what we're working on. We want to help you lead your family. And I've told men so many different times, just show up. Just make sure your family is here. 
every weekend and say, we are going to church, whether you like it or not. I mean, you do that in other areas of their lives. You send them to school, right? Well, I really want to go to school today, Dad. You know, it's really boring and a waste of time. You know, you are so right. Why don't you stay home today, all right? You can watch TV all day, play video games. You don't do that, right? Because they, they've got to have education. Well, I'll tell you what, friends, they need a spiritual education. And it primarily comes from you one-on-one. That's, a, that's really the ideal. But the church is here to help you out. And you need to say, hey, this is something that is going to happen. That's been the way with my kids. And, and you get into the junior high, high school days, that's really tough. I know it is. Uh, kids are different. They're wired differently. If they're really shy, they really have a tough time connecting. Uh, they don't have a friend to go with, those kind of things. Well, what you need to do is talk to Pastor Justin, our youth pastor, a very gifted youth pastor. We're so grateful to have him. And he will give you a strategy. He will give you a strategy in terms of how to work with your child in order to encourage them to come out uh, to the group. So you, you say to your child, okay, listen. Your spiritual education is so important, and maybe over the next three-month period, we're going to try the Springbrook Youth Group. But I really want you to try it. I really want you to uh, become a part of it and come to Tuesday nights uh, for Jam or Thursday nights uh, for Thrive, the high school, junior high, high school. And, and, and I want you to really try it. And I, I want you to go to the, uh, the uh, group uh, during uh, service, the teaching time then. And if after three months or whatever the time frame is, you don't like it, we're going to find another youth group for you to go to. But you have to go to some youth group. That's what I told my kids. You know, if you don't like it here at Springbrook, you're going to have to go to another youth group because that's just what I Until they're out of high school, man, I am the father, and I am responsible for their spiritual education. And I'm going to make sure that they're getting something. And it's, it, just, it just pains me to no end to see parents over-involving their kids or allowing their kids to get involved in sports and all these type of things. I had nothing against these things. But when it comes to spiritual things, they just abdicate. They say, well, whatever you want to do. No, no, no. I'll tell you, in 20 years, you'll know the, the fruits of that decision will bear out. Okay? So let's get serious, dads. Let, let's make it a priority, and we're here to help you. Again, I'm not saying you go home and say, you're going to church every week. <laughs> Talk to Justin. <laughs> put, put a strategy together. Okay? <laughs> but, uh, again, you're responsible for that, right? All right, commit yourself to spiritual growth. I mean, yeah, you might be behind. Your wife can help you, but get together another guy with another guy. Uh, come to a, a men's small group. Uh, who did I see? Uh, Dick Schmidt back here. Raise your hand, Dick. Yeah, this guy's got a heart for men, I tell you. you. Stand up for a second, Dick. You just stand up there, okay? All right. See this man? Turn around. There you go. All right? All right? You need help? You say, I have no clue. You go talk to this man. Dick, I want you to stand out in the middle of the atrium, okay? All right? And you talk to this man. And he will connect you. You talk to Pastor Rich. These guys are passionate. Jim Welch was in an earlier service. You talk to these men. They will help you if you're really serious. They will guide you. All right. Uh, lead your family spiritually. Uh, hey, RBC, we always recommend that. If you don't have anything else for devotions, you can go on their site and you can... Do- 
have the devotions emailed to you. Uh, you can get them on your app, uh, whatever. But, but, you know, just start out very simply. It's a, it, just, you know, say, okay, once a week we're going to have devotions as a family. And your kids are going to go, what's wrong with Dad? What happened to him, you know? Is Mom forcing him to do this? Uh. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, we'll talk more about that in the future. But let's talk about the ladies. And guys are finally saying, finally, <laughs> get off my back. All right. Uh, ladies, now let's look at Ephesians 5.33. However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and his wife must respect her husband. Respect your husband. What does respect mean? Respect is to notice, regard, honor, prefer, defer, to encourage, love, and admire. The core need of a woman is to be loved and cherished. The core need of a man is to be respected, to know that his wife believes in him, that she respects him for the things that he does, how he cares for her, just his life. And when Lori and I uh, were dating, the thing that attracted me to her most was that she thought that I was the greatest guy in the world. Bottom line. She, I mean, she fed that respect need so much, uh, she encouraged me, uh, she loved me, she just thought I was fantastic. And I loved it, man. For those of you who are single, there's a great tip. All right. Uh, but uh, again, that's again what's so important. Now, what happens is you get married. And we go our sinful ways. And I went my sinful way, as I shared uh, with you. And uh, Lori realized I wasn't the greatest guy in the world. Uh, she, she knew I was sinful, but not as sinful as she thought I might be in terms of ignoring her needs. And so uh, she had options about how she wanted to approach that. And you women all have options about how you marry your Prince Charming and they turn out to be a frog or something like that. So one option that many women take is that I am going to mold this man into my image by, first of all, just subtle hints. you got your plan, right? You're putting your control belt on like we talked about uh, last week in terms of I'm going to change this, change this guy. So very subtly, you know, honey, this is maybe another way to approach this situation. Or, honey, you know, maybe it wouldn't be better if we approached in this way. Or, honey, it wouldn't be better if we did this. And, you know, obviously it's not getting through to him. So maybe after a year you pick it up a notch and, you know, after three years you're screaming at him. <laughs> you're not getting it! You know? And you're nagging him and you're disrespecting him. And he is changing out of fear. <laughs> he is, uh, again, changing his behavior in order that he might satisfy you to the point that he can move on with his life. And what you don't realize, ladies, and men can do this as well, but uh, you're pushing him back. The more you nag, the more you disrespect him. Okay, You're pushing him back. And he's emotionally distancing himself from you. The last thing 
that you want in the relationship. Another way to approach this situation is you can become controlling. And that's the temptation for women. For men is to carry the big stick. For women is to become controlling. It's both controlling behaviors. But, but you can become manipulative and, and you can just kind of take over. And again, with all these temptations for the man to abdicate, he says, yeah, go ahead. You know, I'll do whatever you want me to do. Uh, and, and that is not healthy in any way. That is just going to turn in to a sour marriage over time. What God wants you to do in the midst of a man who is far from perfect, a man who is not leading you, a man who is a spiritual infant, what he wants you to do is he wants you to depend on him. He wants you to depend upon Jesus and pray and pray and pray and serve your husband. Uh, seek to do whatever you can because we're serving each other right to submit to him uh, and to encourage him and and cultivate a heart of respect. And that's hard to do when he's not measuring up. But you need to cultivate of respect. Look at uh, Philippians chapter four, verses seven through eight. This is a great verse uh, for you ladies to reflect upon. It says, finally, sisters, uh, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. So what you do is you get a journal or open up a computer file. You put that verse out and then you just regularly review that and you say, OK, what can I respect about my husband? And it might take you a while to get into this mode. <laughs> but what can I respect? I've been thinking so negatively about him. There are some good things about him, right? So, and then you start to write those things down. And you think about those things. And instead of focusing on all the negative stuff, you focus on the positive stuff. And then you tell him. You tell him. Now, initially, they'll think about it as some type of manipulation. So what does she want? Why is she saying this? But... See, it's even more than just saying things because, ladies, if you have a disrespectful heart, you probably won't come out and say, I disrespect you. Most likely you won't, okay? But if you have a disrespectful heart, it's going to flow out of your life. We look in Matthew 12, uh, 34. It says, for out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So if you're constantly disrespecting your husband in your heart, it's going to come out in your actions. It's going to come out in the way you treat your husband, how you approach your husband. Your kids are going to pick up on it, and they're going to start to treat their dad like you treat them. Yeah, he really is an idiot. You're right. Uh, that type of thing, right? And again, it's got to start in the heart. And you've got to say, Lord, I am so bitter I am so hurt over things in the past. I pray that you would supernaturally change my heart. I pray that I would be able to respect my husband. I pray that you would clean my heart out, that you would do deep, deep work in my soul in order that I might be able to respond properly to my husband. It's not easy. None of this is easy. All of this is work. But I tell you what, when Jesus Christ starts to flow through it, and you start to see miracles happen, you're going to be so filled with an unbelievable joy. I was talking with a woman. Uh, well, she sent me an email this past week. 
And she said that she became a Christ follower two years ago, and her husband didn't want anything to do with it. So she just did what we talked about. She just prayed for him. She respected him. She loved him. And he kind of liked this new woman, huh? <laughs> Even more than he liked her before. And, and, and over time, you know, the spirit moved. And uh, this man became a Christian just several months ago. Uh, now, isn't that, isn't that wonderful? Now, at the same time, you know, it's not always in two years. It could be five years. could be ten years. You know, we talked about that last week in due time. But it is the best strategy. See, God is so counterintuitive sometimes. Right? He doesn't do the things the way things are normally done. We look at his commands and say, What? What are you talking about? That's not going to work. Hey, he designed us. He designed the world. So we just have to step out in faith and say, God, I have no clue how this is going to work, but I'm just going to trust in you. I'm going to give myself over to you. Uh, Proverbs 19:13 says, A foolish son is his father's ruin, and a quarrelsome wife is like a constant dripping. Constant dripping. This is where the Chinese got the idea for water torture. You know what the constant dripping is? You're sitting there in your home, maybe in your kitchen, and you're studying or doing something, and the sink is dripping. And, you know, okay, I'm not going to listen to that. It's dripping. It's a slow drip. Maybe 30 seconds every time it drips. But, man, every time it hits, it gets louder and louder. And in your mind, it sounds like there's an explosion going off in your head, everything. And you you get up so frustrated, you take a a dishcloth, you get a rubber band and let soak up. You Stop the dripping! And women... Some men are saying, stop the tripping. Stop the complaining. Stop the negativity. Stop the nagging. I can't stand it anymore. You're driving me away from you. If that speaks to you, respond. Repent. And follow God in that way. Genesis 2.18, the Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Isn't that beautiful? I will make a helper suitable for him. The woman was not taken from the man's head to rule over him. The woman was not taken from the man's heel to be trampled upon. The woman was taken from the man's rib, from his side, in order to support him and walk beside him. And in a healthy marriage, you walk together, working together as a team, and building a family, if that's your choice, or just living out life for the glory of God. And I would encourage you women just to meditate on that verse. You know, how are you a helper to your husband? And your husband needs help. We all know that, right? Okay. So, <laughs> but uh, how does your how does your husband need help today, in a healthy spiritual way? And and, and ladies, my challenge to you uh, would be to uh, encourage your spouse this week. 
right? Send them a text. Uh, send them an email. Put a note somewhere where he can find it. And uh, and your husband say, oh, you're just doing what the pastor said. Yeah, well, it's a start. <laughs> All right? You know, and husbands, I want you to ask your wives how you can serve her this week. She wants to feel loved and cherished. So you just say, how can I serve you this week? Okay? Those are some of the next steps. Take out your communication slip at this time. Let's look at uh, this. Uh, fill this information out. I want everybody to fill it out. Names of adults who are attending. If you're a regular attender, if you're new, please fill out the rest of this. And if you're our guest, we're so glad to have you here. Uh, please stop by our welcome desk. This is your first time. Pick up some brownies. Uh, this is your second time. You can pick up an audio series of one of our message uh, series. And if you miss those, pick it all up. Okay? It's so good to have you. Uh, so under next steps, again, if you feel so loved, you can circle one of these numbers, okay? So number one, I'll ask my wife uh, how I can serve her this week. Number two, I will encourage my husband this week. Number three, I'll memorize Ephesians 5.25. We have a memory verse every month that we memorize. I'll be attending the clarion call prayer meeting. We'll talk about that in a moment. Uh, interested in child dedication or in baptism. And number eight, if you'd like me to send you an email of some articles about uh, uh, this passage and biblical manhood and womanhood, uh, circle number eight, and make sure you have your email down there, and we'll email that out to you. Because, again, we want you to study God's Word, and this is a very important topic. If we get our ushers come forward, we are going to uh, collect our offerings. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray for everyone here. We've all been convicted. There's no doubt about that. Um, I pray that we would grow. I pray, Lord, for those who are young marrieds, that they would see the importance of these things and build healthy patterns into their relationships. For those of us who have been married a while, uh, we've got a little tougher job. We've got to uh, change patterns uh, through your Holy Spirit's power, Lord. Uh, we know it can happen. It won't be fast, but help this to be our direction. And I pray that our heart's strong emphasis on marriage and family uh, that we will continue to talk about these things and give people resources and ways to build a stronger marriage. In Christ's name, amen. All right. Well, some highlights here.